Our reading this morning is from Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15. It says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. This is the word of the Lord. Would you all join me as we pray together? Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us your unchanging word, Lord. And thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit who teaches us all things. I pray that you would continue to transform us into the image of your son as we hear your word this morning. Give us wisdom as we listen and give us a willingness to apply the things that we learn. Amen. Good looking out, bro. <laughs> you guys can be sitting. No, it's a, uh, it's a joy to be able to be with you guys today and... Uh, I'm just thankful that Pastor Novak gave me the invitation to come and preach. So, uh, you know, let's just, uh, I know we prayed. That's just kind of my thing. I like to pray before we dive in. So pray with me real quick. We'll dive in. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, your son. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your love for us. Father God, thank you for the work you're doing here at Res Press. May it continue, may it flourish, may it thrive, may it spread across uh, downtown San Diego, Lord, for your glory and for the good of those who live here. Thank you for your forgiveness, Father. Now may the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable to you, O Lord, my God. In Jesus' name, amen. On June 19th, 1865, Two years after President Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation, Jordan Granger of the Union Army rode into Gaveston, Texas, and with his soldiers, he read to the slaves General Order Number Three. And it begins with these words. The people of Texas are informed that in accordance with the proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. From that day onward, June 19th is known as Juneteenth, AKA Black America's Independence Day. It's now a federal holiday. And that day is really marked with food, family, and a lot of conversations relevant to the African-American community. But I want you to imagine with me a little bit this morning. I want you to imagine with me that you are one of those who have been enslaved and that from your earliest memories, look at the children here that are still in the sanctuary. From your earliest memories, from that age onward, all you know about life is brutal work in the hot Texas sun. All you know about life is the threat of being whipped if you upset your master. And what is the one thing that you guys think of when you go to sleep at night? The one thing that you think of, you dream about, you pray about, it's freedom. When you wake up in the morning, what is the one thing that instantly hits your mind? It's freedom. 
So minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, decade by decade, what is your hope in this life? Your hope is that you can taste the cool waters of freedom. What you want is simply a life befitting an image bearer of God. You just want a life of dignity and respect because according to the Bible that your slave masters allow you to read, it says that all were created in his image. But your grandparents wanted freedom and your parents wanted freedom and your great-grandparents wanted freedom and they all died enslaved. So you began to lose hope because, well, if they didn't experience freedom, why would you? And you began to wonder if that whole life, liberty, and justice for all, well, it really doesn't mean you because you're not included in that all. So you begin to lose hope. But one day, again, hot Texas sun, you're in the fields and all of a sudden you hear the sound of horses coming your way. And you look up and you see a man in a Union Army soldier's outfit. And he gets off and he says to you the words you have been waiting your entire life to hear. The words you've asked God for you to hear. And he says simply, the war has been won. You are now free. Can you imagine how that must have felt for those image bearers of God? To hear those words of their freedom, words they never thought they would ever hear. Can you imagine how excited that the blessing it must have been to be able to deliver those words of freedom to those who were still enslaved? And saints, here's what I'm trying to say to you this morning. You do know something of this because we know what it is to be enslaved by Satan and sin. And oh, yes, Satan is a real being. And according to Paul, he takes people captive to do his will. Yes, Satan and demons are real. Yes, they take people captive, even to this very day. We know what it is to be enslaved to our passions and our flesh. But guess what, y'all? We also know what it is to be freed from our sin. If you are in Christ, you know what it is to be freed by Jesus who says, if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. Amen? All right, I know y'all... Say amen louder when the Padres win or whatever. Come on. Do you know what it is to be freed by Jesus Christ this morning? Amen. We know what it is to taste the waters of Christ who says, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink deeply. Guess what? I'll never run out. Waters of everlasting life. This is the God who has freed us from our sins. And he doesn't just want us to sit back and just wait to go to heaven. No, our great emancipator, the Lord Jesus Christ, says he wants us to take the emancipation proclamation of his gospel to those who are still enslaved as well. Rest, press, we have been given this duty from our Lord. It's a privilege from our Lord. And so often, you guys, I think we, we think we're doing God a favor, right? Like, all right, God, I guess I'll 
do what you call me to do. I guess I'll share the gospel. As if, as if God needs us. Like God is not some weak God in heaven. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. That's the crazy thing to me. If I'm God and I have millions upon trillions of angels at my beck and call, I mean, listen, I love humanity, but I'm not asking us to help him. Like, if I'm God, I'm just using my angels to preach. But the fact of the matter is that he wants us. God, honestly, truly, from the depths of his heart, God not only loves us, but God wants us to partner with him. Y'all, that is a privilege that I just still don't understand. God, why would you use a sinful man like myself? A weak, flawed man like myself, why would you choose to partner with me? And you want to know what God's answer is to all of us? Say it again, Pascal. Go ahead. You talking, bro. Say it. Say it. I'm sorry. I said, because you make it look bad. <laughs> we're not going to listen to him anymore. We, 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 hey, we, we, we're done with him for today. But, but thank you, brother. Thank you. <laughs> God wants us simply because he's glorified in using people who are broken by the fall, yet restored in Christ and by the Spirit. It's simply because he loves us. The question before us today, though, is are we taking this privilege and this duty seriously? Are we taking the gospel to those not just across the street from us, but those across the sea from us as well? Are we only focused on just what's happening in our communities and cities? Or are we also remembering the nations which Christ has told us to remember and to keep our eyes on as well? The book of Romans, the book that we're in this morning, it's the Apostle Paul's missionary prayer and support raising letter, as my professor called it. And uh, in chapters 9 through 11, of which our passage this morning is a part of, he's addressing this issue about Jewish Israel. And the Gentiles, the non-Jewish Christians are asking Paul, hey, why is it that the majority of your people, right, God's chosen people, these natural branches, as Paul calls them, why is it that they're rejecting the Messiah, but yet we Gentiles are, by and large, we're we're accepting, we're embracing this Jewish Messiah. What's going on? Has God's promise to his people, have they, has it failed? Because we read in the Hebrew scriptures what God says, but then we're not seeing it. Did God's promise fail? And Paul is saying, no, there's a remnant according to grace. And guess what? He's going to bring them back in one day. God's promise has not failed. And he's writing about the place of Jewish Israel and God's cosmic redemptive plan. But it's in this chapter, chapter 10, that Paul reveals his evangelistic heart. Here's what I mean by that. In chapter 9, verses 1 through 5, Paul says something. I'm going to ask you all a question. Paul says, I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying. The spirit of the living God, the spirit, he bears witness that I'm not lying. I would be willing to be cut off from Christ. I would be willing to give up my own salvation if the Jewish people, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, if they could be saved, I would give up my own salvation. Rest, rest, question for you. If God came to you and said, you know what, I will save all of San Diego if you give up your salvation today. You won't be saved, but San Diego will be saved. Who here would take God up on the offer? 
I got one for the, two, three, okay. For the first time I got hands raised, praise God for y'all super saints. I love y'all. Because I, I can sit up here and I can lie to y'all, but I can't lie. I can't raise my hand to that. Like, listen, I'll pray God, I'll fast, I'll share the gospel, but I don't know if I could say, God, that I would be willing to give up my eternity with you for the salvation of others. Yeah, Paul could, and he say, I'm not lying to you. Do we have that heart as well? Paul says, I walk around with this sadness, this sorrow all the time because these people that I love are rejecting my Savior. And he goes, my heart continually breaks for them. And I look at my own life and I ask myself, do I have that heart that is continually breaking for those who don't yet know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? And he writes to the Roman church, he says that the majority of Israel, they have this zeal, they have a zeal for God. They truly want to serve him, but what they don't understand is that you're not saved. They're not saved. No one is saved by keeping the law of God. The law, amen, amen. The law of God, amen. Covenant children right there. The law of God, it condemns not only the Jewish people, but it condemns us Gentiles. When we look at the law, we see that the law condemns us. We lie and steal. We look with lust, which is adultery. We have hatred in our heart, which is murder. The law condemns our sin. And it leaves all of us, as Pastor Novak saying, uh, said this morning, it leaves all of us saying, woe is me for I am undone. I am a man who is utterly unclean. I'm a woman, I'm a child that's unclean. And what Paul says is that what they don't realize is that the only way for anyone to be right with God, the only way, it's through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who loves us because Jesus, what? He is the only one who perfectly obeyed God's law in our place. And he is the only one who went to the cross, back, brutalized, wrath of God poured on him because of our sins, because of all the times you and I have broken God's law. God places our sins on Christ, takes his wrath, pours it on the Son of God, and he drinks it to the last drop. And he says, it is finished. Your debt has been paid in full by my broken body and my shed blood. Y'all, that's the gospel. And he rose again with all power and authority on the third day, as he promised he would. He wasn't just talking about it. He was about that life. He rose from the dead. He proved that, you know what? I'm going to show you that your sins are taken care of because not only will I die for you, but check this out. Three days, come back to the tomb. You're not going to find me there. I'm seated at the right hand of God the Father where he intercedes for us. Now, y'all, is that not good news? That gets me hyped because I got a Savior who knows my sins, knows my weaknesses, and yet he sits at the right hand of God, alive forevermore, intercedes for me, and y'all, he's coming back again to set up his kingdom. And he, guess what? I get to be with them forever. You get to be with them forever. That is the gospel. He's restoring all of creation. Y'all, this is our triune God right here. And in verse 13 of our passage, Paul makes it clear who this message of salvation is for. He says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
everyone, not just the Jewish people, but guess what? If you're a Gentile, this gospel is for you as well. Jesus didn't just come for Israel. He came for the nations as well. But there's a problem. There's a problem. I remember Riverside County where I lived with my wife and kids for about six years. I went to one of the community colleges out there. And one thing I love to do is go to the colleges. And I love talking with students about Christ. Invite them to church and just talk to them about Jesus. Share the gospel. And I'm talking to this 19-year-old brother, real cool guy named Austin. And I'm like, hey, I'm here, you know. I'm just talking to people about what they believe about God. You know, I'm a Christian. I would love to talk with you about it if you're open. And he goes, sure, sit down. He goes, I'm an atheist. I'm like, well, perfect. I love talking to atheists, so let's chop it up. So we start talking. Had a long conversation. He's giving me his objections. I'm doing my best to give him answers. And we had a great, respectful conversation. And as I transition to the gospel, he's listening. We're talking. And at the end of the conversation, it just hit me. I said, Austin, has anyone ever shared this message with you? And he looks, and he goes, no, never. And I go, Austin, we're here in Southern California. Church is all around us. You've never heard this message before. And he goes, no, this is my first time. At 19, how many Christians had he walked by before? How many has he known? And yet, at 19, it was the first time he ever truly heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is what breaks my heart is that if people here in America where we have churches all around and Bibles and all this good Christian content, if people here in America have never heard of Jesus, have never heard the gospel, how much more people have not heard about Christ overseas? Where guess what? There is not a church in their area. They don't know one Christian. They have never read one section or verse of the Bible. The problem is that although the gospel is for everyone, everywhere, not everyone everywhere has heard the gospel. According to the Joshua Project, it defines an unreached people group like this. It is a group, a people group, among which there is no indigenous community of believing Christians with adequate numbers and resources to evangelize that people group with outside assistance. So I want to give you a few statistics this morning. According to the Joshua Project, there are 17,406 people groups with only 7,402 of those, or excuse me, with 7,402 of those people groups unreached, which means that 42.5% of Earth's people groups have yet to be reached with the gospel of Christ. Sadly, that's not all. According to Wycliffe Bible translators, there are 7,360 languages in the world, with the full Bible being translated in 704 of those languages, which means that one in five people are still waiting for the entire Bible to be translated into their own language. Let me break it down just a bit further. According to the Joshua Project, there are 7.84 billion people on earth. 3.27 billion people on earth 
still don't know about Christ. So that means that almost 40%, 41.8% of Earth's population don't know that God loves them so much that he sent his son to redeem them. They don't know that. They don't know that they're still, brother, listen, if you don't, don't want to take your child out, that's fine. I love hearing children. She a covenant child. Let, let, let her praise the Lord. Let her praise the Lord this morning with us. But he sent his son to save them, and they don't know. And my pastor likes to call God's kingdom God's new society. They don't know that they can enter God's new society and, be, and have this abundant spiritual life. And tragically, they don't know that they're still in their sins and on their way to a real place called the lake of fire, according to Revelation 20, 11 through 15. Now, I know at this point, some people may say, wait, hold on, Anthony. I was with you until you got to that whole hell part. It seems pretty unfair that they would go to hell even though they haven't heard the gospel. And I understand, I totally understand where that objection, where that concern comes from. I think any of us who are honest can understand that. But the Bible speaks of something called general revelation. And that's, that's the knowledge about God that we have from creation and our own conscience. According to the Bible, humanity knows that God exists. Paul makes that clear. Just as a painting points to a painter, a building points to someone who built it, so creation points to the creator. Psalm 19, one through six says that the sky above and the creation, it preaches every day. No one is gonna be able to stand before God and say, God, I didn't know. Because God is gonna say, no, according to Paul, I made it clear to everyone. And according to the Bible, humanity has this conscience. We have this innate sense of right and wrong as God's image bearers, right? So it, one thing that I love is uh, in Dr. King's letter from a Birmingham jail. Have, have y'all read that? Praise God. All right. If you haven't, check it out. It's an amazing piece of American literature. It, it's just it's such a good thing to read. But uh, one thing that Dr. King says in there, which I appreciate, he goes, to you white moderate Christian pastors who are telling me to slow down because I'm going too hard on civil rights. You say that segregation is okay because it's the law of the land. And Dr. King steps up, he says, but hold on, there is a law that exists above the law of the land of America. And that is the law of God that says to love your neighbor as yourself. So when the law of the land contradicts with the law of God, we are to go with the law of God. Why does he argue that way? Because again, as humans, we know there's right and wrong. This is why we don't see animals on the Discovery Channel holding courts and having animal supreme courts. They, they don't have that sense of justice like us as humanity does. Why? Because we're crafted, we're made, we're image of God. So Paul makes this clear in Romans 1. And even for those who have never heard of Jesus, they still sin against the light that God has given them in their conscience and in creation. So please understand something. Nobody goes to hell because they have not heard of Jesus. They go to hell just like anybody else because they sin against God and the light that he's given them. And let me just say one thing. If it was true 
that anyone who does not hear about Jesus automatically goes to heaven. What is the worst thing that you and I can do for those people? Say it again, brother. Tell them about, right? Why would you bother them if they're automatically going to heaven? Leave them alone. Don't give them a Bible. Don't invite them to church. Don't say the word of Jesus. Leave them alone because they're automatically going. But guys, we know that's not true. That's why we translate the Bible. That's why we give of our time and money. That's why we go and share. That's why we spend time in prayer. This is why Paul says in verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then Paul, he asks the Roman church and, and he asks us in verses 14 through 15, he says this, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in him? of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Rest, press, hear me this morning. Jesus Christ has sent you. Jesus says in John 20, verse 21, as the Father has sent me, what? So I now send you. John says in his letter, we are to walk as he walked. Jesus says what? To follow me and I'll make you what? Fishers of men. As the Father has sent me, my disciples, now I, through the Spirit, send you out into the world. We have been sent to share his gospel with those who live here and those who even live abroad as well overseas. And as we listen to our Lord and we share his gospel, this is my fear, you guys. Can I, can I be honest with you? My fear is that our reformed theology stays here, but it never works itself out here or through our feet. If we truly believe God is elected, we should be like the reformed Presbyterians of old, they were some of the most mission-minded people. Why? Because they said God has chosen. So now I got to go and preach the gospel. Why? Because the spirit of the living God will take the gospel that I preach and he'll call the elect home. I go because he's chosen. The doctrine of predestination and election, the doctrines of grace, is not for us to beat up on our Arminian brothers and sisters and to sit back at coffee shops and debate until the sun comes up. I'm not saying there's not a place for that. Not the Armenian, don't beat up your Armenian brothers, but debating it. He, don't hear what I'm not saying, y'all. I don't want that to get back to my boss, but not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that what should the doctrine of election cause us to do? It should cause us to trust him, to love him, and to reach out to our neighbors. Why? Because if he's chosen, it's not my responsibility to convert anybody. No, that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is in love and humility. May the doctrines of grace make us gracious and humble once again, right? May God burn the cage stage down. But may the doctrines of grace cause us to use our feet, these beautiful feet we'll talk about in just a sec, to go share this message and trust that you know what, Holy Spirit, as I preach, as I share, you, Holy Spirit, will draw your elect home and I get to play a part in that. What a privilege. 
What a privilege that I get to play a part, that you get to play a part. And people coming home to the creator of the universe. God wants to use you. If you have breath in your body this morning, it's because he has work for you to do. If he didn't, you would be in glory. There is someone that God has already ordained for you to share with. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says what? For by grace are you saved, we're saved through faith. And this is not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not according to our works so that no one can boast. And the reason, the only reason why you and I will be in heaven is because Jesus Christ and his work on our behalf. But we stop at verse 9, and I'm saying, no, nah, let's go one step further, y'all. Verse 10, for we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece, his, his creative geniuses. Created in Christ Jesus, what? To do good works. Go ahead, go ahead. Praise God, right? To do good works. Say it again. Praise God. Come on, let's get, praise God. Praise. So why does God, why is, what is one reason why God chooses and elects us? So that we can do the good works that he's prepared beforehand for us to walk in them. There are people who are waiting to hear the gospel from your lips. What a privilege we have. And then the last part of our text, verse 15, the last part, it says, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Why? Why are these sometimes crusty feet called beautiful by God? It's because they go to the lost. They go to those who are still enslaved. And what do we tell them? The war has been won. Y'all, when Jesus said it is finished, he meant it. As my mother would say, I mean what I say and I say what I mean. Same thing, when Jesus says, he says what he means and he means what he says, he said, it is finished. The war has been won. Christ has conquered all of our enemies. And he now offers freedom, true, living freedom now and in eternity. Freedom for all who repent of their sins and put their trust in him alone. That is good News, imagine if Gordon Granger never went to Galveston, Texas. Those image bearers of God would have remained enslaved. Because let's be honest, those slave owners was not about to let them go out of the kindness of their hearts. They would have remained in that enslaved uh, state. Now think about what happens if we don't go to our communities in our workplaces, in our families with the gospel. Think about the 3.27 billion people who have not heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about if they don't hear about the one who loves them. Christians, you have beautiful feet. And please hear something. Please hear this. I am asking you guys to please hear what I'm about to say. We do not go share the gospel out of guilt our shame. That is not the cause or the motivation. We go out of love for God and out of love for our neighbors. 
We go because we want to see God glorified. We go because the thought of anyone dying unforgiven by God, it should break our hearts. It should terrify us. Hebrews 10, 31. The writer of Hebrews, he literally says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. When we're reading the Bible, we can't pick and choose which parts we want to we want to believe the Bible presents God as gracious and loving and kind, but he's also a good judge. He's holy, holy, holy. We should go for the right reasons, not out of guilt or shame. No, that is not what I want you to get from this message. That's not what Jesus wants you to walk out of here with. What Jesus wants you to walk out of here with is that he is so glorious, he is so good, he has done such a kindness in saving us and bringing us together as a community and as his body that because of his great love for us, we can't help but to go give that love and share that love to others. Fellas, who in here married? When you first start dating your wives, were you excited about telling your homeboys about your girl? My man, I see him, he was like, yep, yep. We couldn't help but to talk about the woman we loved, right? We didn't have to be pushed. It came natural because we loved her so much. You guys, when we rest in the love of Jesus, our Savior, it flows out because how can I not talk about this great God, this great Savior? And listen, I work for MTW, the PCA sending agency. So if any of y'all are like, yo, brother, I kind of want to talk to you about missions, whether that you want to go yourself or you just say, how can I pray or how can I send? Because not everyone is called to go. Please don't hear me say that either. But what I am saying is that we're all called to play our part in sharing the gospel here at home, but also the nations. For some, it's just going to be, I can only pray. Praise God. That's not only praying. Praying is the work. Some may say, you know, I, I can send some people. And some of you may say, you know what? Maybe I want to try a trip. If you're interested, come talk to me afterwards. But this is the good news that not only does God save us, but he commissions us. And I know we're here at Rest Press and we're in church, but as I get ready to close, I don't want to walk away from this pulpit this morning assuming that everyone in this room is a Christian. I hope you are. But if you are not, and you may have been baptized, catechized, taken the Lord's Supper, but you know I've never really embraced Christ for myself. Please call on the name of the Lord today and be saved. Acknowledge your sin to God. Acknowledge that you're a sinner. He knows, you know, just be honest about it. Ask him to forgive you for your sins and then put your complete trust in Jesus alone. Not in your good works, not in your church attendance, not in your seminary education, not in anything else. Put your trust in Jesus alone. It's Christ alone that saves. Nothing or no one else. Before we pray, I want to end with these lyrics. Have you guys heard of Lecrae? All right. See, look at you. Who said A? All right, that's what's up, family. So Lecrae, right, he has a song from September of 2008 called Beautiful Feet, and he sang it with a, uh, another artist named Don Toya. And I want you to listen to these words. He says, it says, go, go, go. Run with those beautiful feet. 
Go, go, go. You hold the truth that saves, so run and shout it to the world. They can't believe in something they ain't never heard, so go, go, go. Run with those beautiful feet. Why do we do that, y'all? Because the beautiful feet of our Savior was pierced for us. And now we get to follow him. And we get to use these beautiful feet to take the gospel of the kingdom to those who so desperately need to hear it. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We love you. We adore you. Father, we thank you for your salvation. Jesus, we ask that you would use us to glorify and exalt you. And Holy Spirit, give us boldness, humility, compassion, and love in the words to speak. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.